It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Friday, December 23rd, finishing off the week before the big holiday this weekend, Brendan. The Cubs have a shortstop. They've made some other signings that we will talk about. Not quite as exciting, but we will still talk about them. And hopefully more work to be done if you listen to Jed Hoyer on the radio. But how are you, Brendan? Uh, Corey, I've been consuming Dansby content for the past like 72 hours. It's it's an addiction at this point. Yes, more work needs to be done, but the type of personality he is, the defense he brings, I'm like obsessed with this. I didn't realize how much I would have bought into Dansby until it actually happened. You do have a way of, of doing that. Do I? Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. Well, I, I mean, how can you not like fall? No, I, I agree with this you. Guy. Yes. This guy is like your, uh, your prototypical, like classical captain shortstop leader. Like, I love that. Like him and Nico are just the perfect duo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, before we get into all that, I want to talk about Dansby Swanson. We'll talk about the, I believe it's still a pending agreement. I don't think it's official uh, yet, but it's happening, right? Uh, with Tucker Barnhart to fill out the Cubs catching tandem. Well, with these Jan days Bones. you never know. You never know. Until they we sign can it. talk about that too. Uh, okay. The Cubs also, uh, again, I don't think official yet, but bringing back Drew Smiley. Um, and unless the Cubs turn into the San Francisco Giants overnight, I expect both of those to get done. They make you know sense for what they were doing. So we'll talk about those and, you know, you continue to kind of look at what's left out there. And, and Jed Hoyer was on 670 The Score on Thursday morning. So kind of taking his comments and, and how we finish off this offseason. Before uh, we do that, though, I do want to uh, direct your attention to three episodes of the CHGO Cubs podcast from this past week or so, if you have not already listened to them. Uh, on Saturday in the early evening, Brendan, myself, Cody, Ryan, and Luke. We finally got to do our big emergency podcast live on YouTube uh, as the Cubs agreed to terms with Dansby Swanson. That was about an hour and 10 minutes of a, a really good conversation, Brennan. We we were waiting a long time to do that podcast, and I think all of us together, I, I really enjoyed that conversation and kind of the instant reaction, but but thoughtful reaction, because it was something that we were kind of anticipating, really hoping for. Uh, so if you have not heard that, check it out on YouTube or, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. The second episode I want to direct your attention to on Wednesday, uh, Kelly Kroll, who you remember uh, as the former in-game reporter for the Chicago Cubs, uh, worked with the Chicago Cubs organization for a long time, uh, did really great work. Uh, She joined the CHGO Cubs podcast on Wednesday. Of course, she has been with the Atlanta Braves for the last few years, so she had some really great insight on Dansby Swanson as a player, a person, and, you know, of course, uh, having gotten to know Dansby and seen him over the last few years and having spent so much time uh, with the Chicago Cubs, uh, a really insightful and, and, and thoughtful interview with Kelly there on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, 
the Chicago Cubs left fielder, Gold Glove winner, Ian Happ, joined Jared, Cody, and Luke uh, with the snow and everything, not in studio. So hopefully we can get Ian to the West Loop, to the CHGO offices at some point. Uh, but a really great interview with Ian. And, you know, I think as we talk about Dansby a little bit, we'll, we'll touch on some of what the boys talked to with Ian Happ. But really great stuff uh, in the CHGO Cubs podcast feed and on YouTube, uh, however you are consuming all of our content. We appreciate it. It's been a big week for us. Um, You know, since we joined CHGO, obviously the team has not been very good. So this past week has been very exciting as, as you know, I think fan interest has uh, peaked a little bit in in the last week and and we've had some really great interviews. So wanted to make sure I directed all of you to that wonderful uh, content that we had. And and Brendan, I know you were uh, quite, quite intrigued by Ian Happ's conversation on Thursday. I was. He spent 30 minutes with the guys. Like, first off, just to spend that much time with our group was extremely kind. But the amount of detail that he gave for all of his answers, ranging from the Dansby signing to the Tucker Barnhart signing to leadership to the shift to his post career playing plans, like, it was very insightful. I enjoyed it. They did a great job uh, asking the questions, and uh, it's, it's definitely worth a, worth a, worth a watch. Yeah, Ian, Ian is a very thoughtful dude, and I think yeah. you can kind of see how that evolution has come along as he's gotten more involved on the MLB player rep side and, um, you know, being a part of uh, so many of those negotiations and talks and things like that over the years. He's he's very thoughtful uh, about everything. Uh, but I, I do also want to uh, note, um, as I said, Jared was, was – uh, on the interview on Thursday, and he has a piece over at allchgo.com uh, about Ian Happ and Connect Roasters, the coffee, and everything that Ian is doing in the community. So be sure to check that out. And of course, uh, a good time to mention checking out becoming a diehard level member uh, over at chgo, allchgo.com. So let's, I mean, I, I want to start with Dansby. I, I, I feel Please. like, you know, we have some moves that the Cubs made uh more recently than that, and obviously all of us, including on, on Saturday with the emergency pod, have, have talked about Dansby a lot, uh, but I, I, I do, I want to start there, because n- no offense, but I feel like uh, leading off with Tucker Barnhart is, you know, we have to try to get listeners, Brendan, like that's I our know. job, so yeah. uh, no offense to Tucker, um, hope the signing goes well, but we'll touch on that in a <laughs> In a little I bit. could talk about Tucker for a few hours, though, if we really needed to. I don't. Th- I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think anybody wants that. But okay, I digress. Uh, Dansby introduced. He's at Wrigley Field. He does the press conference. We finally. I feel like we've been waiting a long time too. Like you know, with uh, COVID and the lockout and all of that, we get like a real earnest guys at Wrigley Field putting the jersey mm-hmm. on. And there was just a lot to like. I mean, his comments were mm. really great, uh, you know, speaking of thoughtful guys and, and well-spoken guys and guys that have a message that they know how to deliver about themselves and what they believe and all of that. I, I had a lot of thoughts, Brendan. Number seven is a great number. Great uh, number. I was I was a big Mark DeRosa guy, you know, um, when, when you and I were younger which probably isn't a surprise um, for whatever reason. Uh, Dansby has incredible hair. Um, Him and Mallory seemed absolutely thrilled to be there. The story about his grandfather in WGN, I mean, easily one of the most relatable things to most Cub fans, unless you're very young, right? Uh, I I really loved everything about um, his introductory press conference, and I'm, I'm very excited to continue to to hear from him and eventually you know of course see him play at beautiful historic Wrigley Field it feels like a different tone with this roster like going from the 2016 core and Joe Madden's uh, management style this style seems like I'm struggling to find the right phrase for this and I don't want to you know make this sound condescending towards past management styles but this one seems to be a little bit more like like no nonsense in a, not not in a bad way. Like, you know what Joe Madden's style was more nonchalant, relaxing, bringing the animals, all that, which is great for that team and those personalities. With Nico, Dansby, and Ian Happ and David Ross, this is like, you know, business. This is like 
accountability. It's a different type of tone, and you can see that right away with how Dansby carries himself and how he responds to his questions and his type of leadership style and his willingness to talk about his struggles in the past. That reminds me of what David Ross does so well at the podium, asking questions, always saying, you know what? I need to learn. I need to get better. It's the same type of tone that you hear with Dansby. It's it's very unique. This is something that I'm not familiar with, given how the past 10 years have gone with this team. Yeah. Uh, I also want to note again, uh, we did find out that, of course, John Lester was involved in the Thank pitch you, because, of course, he was. And, of course, Dansby Swanson found that to be one of the more compelling things in in just comparing John leaving Boston, the organization he started with and obviously accomplished so much with, similar to Dansby leaving Atlanta, uh, you know, in that being his hometown and everything. And that really spoke to him that John, uh, you know, said he was very nervous about that decision and ultimately uh, could not have been happier with the decision because, of course, John couldn't have been happier with the decision, yeah. right? Um, I'm what not planning. During the, dur- what, what happened during his time with the Cubs, Corey? Uh, the Cubs won the World Series. It's a great okay. question. Just, re- just remembering. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing I was, I, I wanted to get your opinion on, um, I'm just curious and we're not going to know the answer, right? But Dansby talked about it and then Jed actually talked about it. He was asked about it again on, on Thursday in this interview on the score, um, the pitch, right? Dansby talked about winning. You tweeted out a clip that, you know, um, talked about Dansby and and wanting to win and that being the most important, which, you know, naturally you got some uh, sarcastic replies to that yeah. with people are like, okay, then why did he leave the Braves? Well, right? why, did the, why did the Braves owners spend the money? Does That's he not a win? fair question. Um, yeah. But... Jed again reiterating on Thursday that they they talked about the plan, free agents that they've talked to, that they plan to talk to, and what the plan is. And I, I you know, there's there's a couple ways to look at it. And of course, uh, I think the easiest way is that you know Dansby got 177 million dollars, and that's probably more convincing than anything Jed could have said, right? Especially if that. 177 million dollars is not being offered from anywhere else. The other way to look at it, though, is that Jed gave some sort of satisfactory answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could look back and say Marcus Stroman also said the same thing, and he spent at least a year uh, playing for a team that was trading guys at the deadline, right? So it's hard to say whether that's actually true. What I'm asking you is, do you believe that? Or do you think that, hey, you know, the money is there, his now wife is playing uh, soccer in Chicago, and, you know, hopefully they figure out a way to win at some point? Or do you believe that whatever Jed said is is a real satisfactory answer in terms of how soon they will be winning again? It's all the above, I think. How can you not ignore the fact of playing in the same city as your wife? How can you not ignore the fact that you're going to have the financial stability that you never probably dreamed was even possible? So, of course, that's going to play a huge, if not the driving force. But there's other teams, there's 29 other teams, and you are making a ton of money. And, you know, Dansby wanted to play for the Cubs. He, he wanted to be here. He wanted to be part of this organization. And the reason I think that genuinely is because when he was talking during that press conference, he was talking about all the players, all the young players, name-dropping PCA, name-dropping Brennan Davis. He was talking about how he had conversations with Carter Hawkins about the minor league pitchers, sustaining velocity, what they're doing with the pitching infrastructure, that word was even dropped, which we always say all the time. And he did so much reading and studying about the organization. So to me, that signals he is invested. And there's also a side where maybe there's a cynical approach to some fans, which I totally understand when you have nine digit salaries out there. But the reason that these guys are so good is they have that hyper-competitive nature. They want to win. And I don't think that's ever going to be taken away no matter how much money they make. To get to that level, you have to be a psychotic athlete. So I do, I do believe that. I have watched so many interviews of Dansby over the years, even dating back to his like Vanderbilt days. 
he he has that attitude. And you hear stories about his leadership uh, capabilities. He, we've heard Luke talk to Kelly Crow about this on their show. It, to me, it makes... I'm convinced that he wanted to be here. I'm convinced that he was sold on the plan. Does the plan work out? You know, we'll see. Right. From Dancy's perspective, he was sold on it. So I, I do believe it. All right. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was just uh, something interesting. And Jed on Thursday also talked about, you know, still wanting to add some power uh, to the lineup. And I think that is where... That's, That's where my attention has turned, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it's we'll, we'll we'll talk more in depth about Tucker Barnhart uh, after the the first ad break. But before we get there, you know, if that's what you're going to do, pr- presumably at catcher, unless there's some bigger plan and trades going on, uh, it's going to be Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart, as it appears. So you know, you're not getting offense there. Um, and there's only, you know, now you've had a lot of guys go off the board. Justin Turner's not there anymore. J.D. Martinez isn't there anymore. Brandon Jury isn't there anymore. And these aren't necessarily guys that the Cubs were ever seriously connected to. But when we were trying to piece together where the Cubs were going to add some power, some slugs, some more offense, they made sense, right? Trey Mancini is still out there, but he's not an explosive offensive player, even if you'd probably pencil him in to be uh, above league average at the position. Um, is Michael Conforto or some mystery trade pretty much where we're laying our options there? Because otherwise I just don't, looking around, there just isn't a lot left in the free agent market that would really fit and and satisfy what the Cubs are looking for. I think you're right. I think it's Conforto or Trey Mancini and, and that's it. We said all along, even dating back to before Dansby was signed, if you sign Dansby, you have to supplement the offense right. because there's so many holes on this roster and there still is a, a degree of volatility in Dansby's offensive profile. You still have to factor that into your plans. And when we were talking about this, you sign Dansby, you lock in about four wins above replacement in order to be scratching at the top 10 in terms of total war for teams, you need to add about eight more wins from some other way, whether it's through free agency or through trades. And through free agency, you're not going to get that with Mancini and Conforto. You may get that as a ceiling, and that might be Jed's plan to play that kind of risky game where you get the optimal projection from both those guys. And if that happens, okay, then you're talking about a playoff spot. But realistically, you have to do that and and then some to be confident that you're going to make a playoff spot next year. It's possible, but you have to be savvy in what you do in the trade market. And that might be the way Judd goes. I, I hope that's the way Judd goes. I've been waiting for a trade like this to happen. We haven't heard anything about this, but in my mind, Mancini, Conforto would be great. There's still some volatility there. You do push towards that playoff spot, but you're not going to be a 50% playoff uh, probability team right away. You have to do that and then some. And that does make fans a little bit anxious about the upcoming season. Yeah. And, you know, even with someone like Conforto, you know, he's coming back from an injury. He hasn't played since 2021. Yeah. Uh, you know, Shoulder if you were able to too, get... It's bad. You know, uh, he's he's put up some really great seasons, right? Um, you know, his, his 2021 was just a 106 WRC+, plus, but 2019, 127, he was a four-and-a-half win player. He was a 4.8 win player in 2017 with a 147 WRC+. Plus. He's had some big years, right? But it's inconsistent when you look at it, even though he's always, uh, except for going all the way back to 2016 when he only played in 109 games, every other year of his career, he's been What, what year was that? 2016, uh, you said? Right, when the Cubs won the World Series. Won the World Series. That's a great uh, point that you made. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's he's been a solidly ab- of league average hitter. Like, you kind of feel like you would know what you would get, and, and you'd be taking that risk. I think I'm if that's the direction they go, and even if it's some combination of guys that kind of fit a similar profile, like I think you're going to end up falling short of what I really would have hoped for in this offseason, which is saying like, yes, this is a playoff team, even if that means a wild card team, but this is yeah. a competitive group. There's no, you know, shining up a pig or anything like that, putting lipstick on a pig, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm combining my, you know, adages. Uh, <laughs> like there's, 
there's none of that. Like you believe this team should, and and I don't I don't know if they can get there, but they are they do have the potential to get to a team where if some stuff breaks right and you really are able to tap into how you're trying to attack pitching and defense and controlling, uh, you know, run prevention, you can get there, right? So again, I I would have hoped for a situation where we felt more confident in that, and I'm not sure that that path really exists, but I Mm. think the path does exist to build a roster that can do it, and it's not delusional to suggest that it's possible. But still, you know, as it stands, like you, you're just, and, and I think Conforto would be, uh, in this group, right? Like you're, there's a lot of guys where you're just not sure what you're going to get, man. And I'm not, I'm not sure there's a way to break too far away from that at this point, Mm -hmm. right? With who's available and how much time is left and how much playing time you have left. Like you don't know what you're going to get from Cody Bellinger. You know, you're going to get a good glove, but beyond that, you really don't know. And that, that potential is really wide ranging from awful to, you know, an MVP, right? We've seen it. Yeah. You have Matt Mervis, who has not played at the major league level and does not have a lot of even altogether professional baseball experience, right, given the the 2020 draft and everything that went on there. You have Dansby, who's coming off a career offensive year, but that does not match uh, a lot of years prior in his career, uh, you know, from an offensive perspective. You have a catching tandem that, again, we'll touch on in a second here, that's not going to do much for you uh, on the offensive side at all. You have Nico, who's still young and, and, again, coming off a career year, but still has to prove that year over year at the MLB level. You've got Seiya in right field, who I think of of all the people that, you know, we have kind of a small MLB sample, and I'm quite confident in him uh, to be very good, but still, you're not sure, right? Christopher Morell, wherever he's playing, Patrick Wizard, like, there is a lot of just, I couldn't tell you what yeah. they're going to look like. And I think that's just how this team is going to be. But I do think you can bring in enough guys where the potential is there that it comes together and you get enough offense to go with uh, hopefully run prevention that you can be a, a competitive team. Yeah. And just because you signed Dansby and just because you and I are excited about the move doesn't take Jet off the hook for the lack of moves in the past year or the moves that he ended up making. So they are mutually exclusive perspectives for me. Uh, The Dansby signing has to be supplemented. It has to be supplemented or else it's going to be confusing for many people and they have to go out. If you don't get Mancini or Conforto, one of those guys, then, then we have a massive problem. And there's been ways to look back in the past year and a half and criticize Jed for some of the moves and even perhaps some of the trades dating back to the U Darvish um, situation. And I'll do this ad break here. Uh, but my, my final thought with just kind of the current timing is so much more needs to be done. Jed doesn't have a track record of getting savvy, immediate, high-value guys most of his trades with the Cubs have been in the form of getting back teenagers. Right. Like that's what he's been doing. Uh, we'll see if that ends up working in the next three years. There's a side of me when I get super dark sometimes where I imagine this team with Rizzo still on it. Uh, I imagine what what this rotation would look like with you Darvish uh, still on the squad with that contract. I imagine even what would this roster look like with Chris Bryant's now cheaper deal given the hot market this offseason. I I sometimes go down that rabbit hole, right? And we'll be able to relitigate this years from now. But Jed is still on the stage where he has to make deals or a lot of this will be questioned. There's no doubt about right. that. And, you know, it's also too that, you know, you look at, at last year and, and some of the moves that Jed has made on those margins on some some of those lower um you know, free agent signings, and they have not always been great, right? Some of the pitchers, and we'll talk about Drew Smiley, have have looked like savvy deals and things like that. But 
you know, when when you're constructing a roster like this, that's going to have a lot of variability and unknowns, and you're kind of relying on guys to reclaim something or tap into something or, or take that next step. You got to nail those signings, and there's uh, you know a decent list of names that I'm not allowed to say, but they you better not they you know they they reflect on their ability to identify these guys and and bring them in. And if you're going to try to be competitive with a group like that, you have to nail most of those signings. And like last year, they did not, right? Right. Saya looks like a great signing. Stroman was a great signing. But when we're talking about those lower level, you know, depth piece, margin piece type guys, Jed is going to have to improve that track record on those things. There's no doubt. Okay, first break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays. They never understood why sunglasses were so expensive. So they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone and every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. If you drop them in the lake, off a cliff, anything, they will replace them. Even with that strong of a protection program, they still manage to make high quality shades that I can tell you they seem just as good as any expensive pair that I have ever worn. Customers seem to agree with over 200,000 five-star reviews. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals to date. They stand behind their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and they do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Second break here from our sponsor, GameTime. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you've ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, the 50-yard line, courtside, behind, home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's now possible with the GameTime app. The biggest last-minute price shops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on both games. Bears games, Blackhawks games, upcoming spring training for the Cubs and White Sox. This app is created by the fans for the fans. It guarantees the lowest price. And if you love CHGL, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets to those concerts or those games through the link in this description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, Brendan, let's talk a little bit about the rotation. It sounds mm. like the Cubs are going to be bringing back Drew Smiley, a like two-year $19 million contract that includes a $10 million mutual option and a $2.5 million buyout for 2025. It sounds like $8 million in 2023 and $8.5 million in 2024. So, it I, we can never be sure that the cubs are done with their rotation but it feels like bringing back smiley adding jamison tyone uh maybe is where we see this group go um so i want to get your thoughts on Drew Smiley, uh, of course, but then also where the rotation sits now, let's say if this is the last edition that we see, um, and the depth that they have, and and just how we're feeling about this starting pitching group, or, or the you know overall pitching group as a whole, as it stands right now. The, it has a lot of depth. The Smiley deal is a depth signing, maybe higher upside than it looks on paper. The projections hate Drew Smiley. Uh, He's an outlier for many different projections, but also many different pitch classification scoring systems too. But from a broader perspective, the Cubs have a ton of depth guys. Right now, if you go to their depth chart, sort by projected innings, you have Tyone, you have Stroman, Steele, Hendricks, Smiley, Wisniewski, Keegan, 
Adrian Sampson, Javier Assad, Caleb Killian. Those are 10 guys right there that are going to be given a shot probably within the first few months of the season at, at some point. So I, I like that concept. I like the ability to draw from within. And a lot of those guys have higher ceilings too. For example, thinking about Keegan Thompson's pitch development, having three breaking pitches uh, that have unique action on them that separate out that is a feature Kyle Hendricks wishes he had when he was talking to uh, our guy Ryan Herrera at CHGO. So I, I like the potential to go even higher. For me, it's always been, let's keep that potential, but let's have stability with some more top shelf guys. And it does not appear they're going to be doing that. Um, so I don't like that. I don't like that strategy, but I do like the other guys on the team. I just wish we had, let's say, call it like a Justin Verlander-esque type pitcher, but who's not 40 years old and making $40 million. Uh, For for me, it would be someone like, you know, a... Uh, I'm not going to say his name. You're going to kill me. But uh, let's say... Oh, are you thinking of Kevin Gossman, Brendan? (laughs) I've never heard you say that before. (laughs) But if we had someone like him, it would really shore up the top end of the rotation. I no, I, I think that's fair. I think ultimately, if you go into the year, and we're not really sure, uh, you know, I think uh, Jed Hoyer said that Kyle Hendricks is uh, going to start throwing or is throwing, and you know he's ramping up, um, you know, to to get his off season kind of into. And full he's going to be throwing like a hundred miles per hour next year. Yeah, right. He, you know, he's working with one of those programs, trying to yeah. add velocity. So uh, it's going to be Kyle Hendricks, but pumping ninety five, right? At least. Yeah, uh, we'll see about that. Um, you know, so I'm not sure if you can really slot him in for opening day or what exactly that timeline is going to look like, you know, working back from the injury and all of that. Um, and I don't think, you know, obviously they're not going to rush him. So uh, not sure exactly. But if you're looking at something generally like Marcus Stroman, Jamison Tyone, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley, Kyle Hendricks, and, you know, Wisniewski, Thompson, something in that vein, maybe quality start King Adrian Sampson as your kind of five, six until Hendricks is ready or proves that he's able to, you know, be consistent, uh, unlike last year and healthy. Um, I think that's, it's a solid group. I I agree with you. When we went into this off season, I think one of the priorities was, can we get a top of the rotation guy with someone where you slot him in at number one? And if Marcus Stroman is your two, you're feeling fantastic about the rotation. So they didn't do that. And I think you're still going to be looking for that, right? Stroman has the potential to opt out. Um, some of these guys can take that next step, but you're, you're probably going to continue being on a quest for that true ace number one until you find it. But I think the group that they have, and you combine that with a team that had the third best ERA in baseball from their rotation in the second half of the season last year, I think they have a group where however the one through five shakes out on opening day and as the season progresses, they're going to give you a chance to win. It's a solid group and they should be able to get a little bit of a bump and play into having a better run prevention defense behind them. So I feel solid about this group. I definitely am with you. I would feel incredible about this group and and like so much more confident in this team, right? If they had that number one guy and not to belabor someone who was available in this off season, but like you slot Carlos Rodon in there, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like this group, it, you're, you're really thinking things about this group. You're totally all in on pitching and defense and run prevention. Still, you're still going to have to figure out how to score runs, but you feel like, okay, they could win that way. Like this is a really good group, but I think it's a solid group as is. And We'll see how it all shakes out. You know, of course, there's a potential that guys like Justin Steele continue to elevate and take those next steps. Um, you know, guys like Hayden Wisniewski get more opportunities. Uh, you know, whether I, I, I think, you know, I think Jed has talked about, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with a lot of these guys that they continue to go that route of easing them in through the long relief efforts and then you know, finding that appropriate time to say, okay, you're in the rotation now, we're going to kind of cut you loose there. Uh, so when all that happens, does someone like Caleb Killian, like you mentioned, get a shot? Does someone like Jordan Wicks get a shot at some point? Then Brown, who they acquired at the trade deadline, they've got some options, right? 
So who exactly is in this mix, we'll see. But I, I think it's a solid group. And Smiley had a, a solid season last year. You know, he is what he is. He's an older guy. He's a left-hander. He's not, uh, you know, going to He's not super exciting in a lot of ways, but you know, you look at when he came back uh, from injury uh, toward the trade deadline last year. He had 13 starts to finish the year, uh, 63 and two thirds innings, a 3.25 ERA, a 2.31 batting average against. Uh, and in August, I think he had a sub one ERA in um, I think it was like 30 innings in August last year. Yeah, exactly 30 innings. He had a 0.90 ERA and a yeah. 2.02 batting average. He was against. good. He was really good. He and was. so I think, again, like it's it's not, you know, I don't know that we're going to be campaigning toward the end of the year for any of these guys to win the Cy Young. You know, like you mentioned, like they're, they're, they're not that Verlander type, and I, excluding that Verlander's, you know, 40-something years old or whatever, just, you know, that they're going to put up a one-and-a-half ERA and just be insane at how, you know, good they are and, and things like that. Mm. But I— you know, again, it's it's not it's not the sexiest group, but I think they are going every fifth day. Each guy is going to give this team a an opportunity to win, which is you know I think okay for where the it's Cubs are it's at. it's okay. There, there's a side of me too that's really curious what the defensive value looks like across the league next year without these shifts. I'm really curious what Dansby and Nico do to that middle of the infield and, and Bellinger out in center field that boosts the value of these pitchers relative to the rest of the league. That is perhaps the most exciting part of the season for me, just seeing how that plays out. But if you look at Smiley, there are unique features. Yes, he may not be uh, part of like the the group that blows fastballs by you and has wicked breaking stuff, but he has pitches that you just can't teach other guys. It's just innate. It's part of his natural mechanics. And one of the features that he has that Tommy Hadovy really brought out of him last year was throwing. Some people call them bullet curveballs. It's kind of like a gyro esque breaking pitch. And you can't teach this to people. There's only been a handful of pitchers in the last, whatever, seven years in the StackCast era that has the pitch shape of Drew Smiley's curveball. And how Tommy Hadovy brought that out was using that pitch as his dominant pitch. He threw that pitch more than his fastball last year. He threw over 50% curveballs. You never hear pitchers, let alone starting pitchers, do that with effectiveness. And the reason this pitch was thrown over 50% was because in the StatCast era, no other pitcher has thrown this pitch with as few of inches on his on his vertical break and with as few inches on his horizontal break as Drew Smiley. It's basically coming up at a very high release point and looking like a breaking pitch, but not moving that much. It's like a, a kind of like a bullet gyro pitch. And that's why he was so effective when he commanded that pitch towards the edges last year. And then he uses his cutter, he uses a sinker, he uses that sinker up and in to uh, left-handed batters effectively, as we know the Cubs like to do with their sinker pitchers, it makes sense. And there's a reason why Drew Smiley came back to the Cubs. There's a comfort level there. I'm curious if he had better offers elsewhere, uh, but he opted to come back to the Cubs because he's having success there. And he's talked about this. He's talked about his comfort with the pitching infrastructure and the ability to get the most out of him. So I do like the signing. I wish they had more. I think Drew Smiley is fascinating. If you like defense, if you like unique pitchers, if you like unorthodox approaches to pitching, then this is your guy. Or if you're, you know, weird like me and you have an affinity for older left-handed pitchers for some reason, that's kind of up your alley. The the other thing too, not to forget, and we saw David Ross kind of set the table for this a lot last year in trial and error with a lot of guys. Uh, But again, while it would be nice to have that top of the rotation guy um, and, and feel 
better about that kind of structure of the rotation. This this group as a whole, even dipping into the bullpen a little bit, they they give David Ross and Tommy Hadovy the ability to structure how they want to get outs, right? And we talked about that a lot with some of the pitchers that they used last year. You know, we saw Keegan go from, you know, both roles. We saw Albert Alzali come back and come out of the bullpen. We saw David Ross constantly trying to get multiple innings out of guys like Brandon Hughes and some of those relievers, Mark Leiter Jr., who was quite good as a reliever instead of starting. And I think that what this group does have, even if it lacks that like crazy firepower at the top or anything like that, they have a lot of guys that can get multiple outs, right? So when you're looking at the back end of this rotation and you're talking about Drew Smiley or what version of Kyle Hendricks are we going to get? Where does Hayden Wisniewski fit into this? What role is Keegan Thompson playing? I'm not sure when we're going to get clear answers to that. Some of that gets cleared up in spring training. Some of that is is trial and error as the season goes along and is based on health. But I think this team is really well set up to kind of, as we've talked about, where the game of baseball is going, which is not always relying on guys to pitch seven, eight, nine innings every day and and get those complete games and and long starts from guys but it's more about just having as many guys with the ability to take on different assignments and and you approach each game differently you look at the situation you look at the lineup that you're playing you look at how guys are are pitching and their numbers you know two three times through the order and you can kind of piece this stuff together again it's it's a riskier approach, which so is not having a bunch of guys that get a ton of swing and miss, right? And and relying on defense and things like that. It's obviously a riskier approach. The easier approach is to have a rotation full of guys that blow the ball by people and pitch eight innings a game, right? Like that's much easier, but the game isn't really going there. And I think the Cubs are well-structured for where the game is in terms of David Ross every day having a good set of guys, Brendan, that he can say, we need to get 27 outs. Here's the plan for how we're going to do that. And it doesn't have to come from one guy. We feel confident that we can piece these games together, whether it's two guys. We saw a lot of those piggybacks last year where, you know, someone would get the start and then here comes Keegan Thompson for three innings, or it's three guys, four guys. Like right now, the Cubs don't even have a clear, like, this is their closer, right? But they do have a ton of guys who can get outs and who they tested last year in different roles and stretching them out to not just three outs at a time. Yeah. And when I was listening to Jamison Tyone talk about why he wanted to join the Cubs, why he's excited about joining the Cubs, he did talk about his curveball being potentially uh, room for improvement. If you look at the data, his breaking pitch doesn't have the best spin efficiency. However, He's still generating about league average movement despite not having that spin efficiency. So he's talked and he did talk to the media about that being an intervention target, so to speak. So I'm curious if James Santayon has another gear um, ahead of him. And I think it's possible. And even if there's not another gear ahead of him, he still has that foundation. He still has that stable command that at least makes him league average. And for that price, that that makes sense. So, you know, I, I think they could have gone out and added one of those guys that just gets tons of whiffs. But then again, there is a side of the sport that is constantly changing and hitters are constantly adapting. Technology is improving at an exponential rate where there is a degree of unpredictability right now in this sport. And with the shift being banned, with coaches and coaching infrastructures changing dramatically. I wonder if the Cubs are going to be, whether coincidentally or intentionally, kind of ahead in this respect with you have guys that can pitch a lot of innings, they generate a lot of weak contact, and you have the best defense in the league to scoop that up with a new pitch clock, with everything going on. So I I don't know. I'm curious about it. I'm not sold on it. Yeah, I don't, sure. I don't, 
you know, I, I wish Jed went about things a little bit differently, not just this offseason, but the past few offseasons. But there is a way forward where it does work out, and I won't be surprised if it does. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would not be surprised to kind of see it play out where you're looking at Marcus Stroman and Jamison Tyone to be those guys that are giving you longer, deeper quality starts on a regular basis. That's who you're leaning on for that. And, you know, then maybe the rest of the time we see Drew Smiley for five innings, Keegan Thompson comes out and gets, you know, six outs, nine outs, whatever it is. And then the next day it's Kyle Hendricks for five innings. And here comes Adrian Samson. I mean, that or, is kind of fun though. You know, right? it's, it's risky. There's a lot of yeah. risk in that. I kind of, I don't know. I'm not curious about but it. But again, it's like, fun. That's the thing. It was sort of frustrating at times last year um, when you would see guys go out there for a second inning and maybe it wouldn't work or you'd feel like, you know, why are we pushing it with some of these guys? But I think there was a a, a lot of... You always talked about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, not everybody can do it, but that may have been the point. And maybe we see the fruits of that labor next year where you say, okay, here are the guys that showed they could do that. You know, we saw Brandon Hughes do that a bunch. We saw Mark Leiter Jr. do that a bunch. We saw Keegan do it. We saw Abbott trying to do it in the in the short time that he was back last year and if it pays off and you say hey these are the guys we feel confident can throw two innings for us three innings for us Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't have to be a starter you know we debated that with Keegan all year right like what is the best role for him how is he best suited and you know maybe that's part of the plan again it's it's a, a little maybe it's not so unorthodox anymore right or it's becoming less unorthodox but I, I think it's important to note that, right? Like when we're talking about someone like Drew Smiley, I don't think the idea is, oh, he's a, a great starter. He's going to be throwing complete game shutouts all the time for the Cubs. It's like, that's not really the point. The point is he can go out there and start and give you a good enough start. And you have this system in place where there's other guys that can come yeah. in and take not just an inning at a time. And you have it kind of set up in, in this particular way. We'll see. You know, they have yeah. to execute that plan. It's a very specific they plan do. with some of these guys. But they're, they did appear to be putting a lot of work into doing that. They're, they're clearly not opposed to the idea. All right, break here from our sponsor, FOCO Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. FOCO, looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO has you covered. With hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze or blizzards, I guess get a thousand hoodies right now to cover up for that. You can check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Another break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is the official betting partner of the NFL, and it's my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. Big, the Bears do play the Bills this week in Corey. It's snowing like crazy, it appears, in Chicago. Maybe bet the under on that game. Right now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code CHGO. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get a $150 in free bet. If they do, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Okie dokie. Let's talk about Tucker Barnhart, Brendan. Yes. I've been waiting for this. Yeah, the audience has been chomping at the bit. Yes. Um, It is going to be a two-year deal. 2024 is a player option. The total guarantee is $6.5 million. The potential to be $9.5 million. Uh, Again, pending physical, which if you paid attention to the Carlos Correa situation, apparently is something that matters. I've never seen it matter before, but here we are. Before we get into Barnhart, Brendan, can you imagine the episode of this show if the Cubs... (laughs) had been rumored erroneously to have signed Aaron Judge 
Turns out false. He goes back to the Yankees. And then like two weeks later, they have Carlos Correa for a week. He's in Chicago at the hotel with his family, getting dressed for the press conference. And 12 hours later, he's a New York Met. Would you, me, and Cody still be alive? No, we'd no. be dead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'd be done. We would have, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I Look, sympathy to the max for San Francisco Giants fans. That is brutal. I, yeah. I legitimately, we were all freaking out when we thought the Cubs weren't going to get any of the shortstops before they signed Dansby Swanson. The, the rope-a-dope, though, of a week. I mean, you, we would have had, I would have had a Carlos Correa jersey, Brendan, that, that wouldn't have been real. I cannot imagine the the emotional turmoil I would have gone through if that had happened to the Chicago Cubs. I mean, thank God that they signed Dansby. Everything's fine, you know. Like that. That's the one thing about Dansby. I will say is he's so durable. Plays that every he game. The physical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He the physical too. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I I honestly cannot put myself in that position. I do have a friend that's a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. I have not texted him since. I did text him a week ago, like, "Hey, congratulations!" You might want to check Korea. in on him. I. You know what? I His should. Well being. Yeah. I'm a terrible friend. I, I guess. think I you in. or I would be in a. And Cody in a, a prison or a mental institution, one or, or both. I don't know. Who knows? No, I'd just be dead. Yeah, it like, would not have no it would not have gone well. Yeah. Um and well and then like can you imagine like what do we show up the next day to do a, a podcast? Oh, that, I mean smiley, I would like, I, no, 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 I you know, I would anyway, have to quit the podcast. Uh, that would getting be to Tucker Barnhart. Um I'll be honest with you, Brendan. I'm you love it. not super into this. Um when you make but the what decision, else, what else did you want though? No, look. When you make the decision to go for, you know, defense, I guess. So I'm not really convinced on Barnhart's defense. He didn't really rate that well as a framer, or you know, in yeah, pop time things like that. Yeah, so I'm not really sure about that. Um, when you make that decision, you make that decision, right? So at that point, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. This is what they're doing with the catcher position. They've, you know, they've moved on from Wilson, someone who obviously had the offense and they felt a certain way about as a catcher. So whatever, right? I'm not going to care too much about what they're doing at the catcher position. And they made an offer to Christian Vasquez, who I think was the best version available to them uh, in this vein, right, of, of, you know, being fine at the plate, closer to league average and and a good defender. Uh, Barnard just doesn't do it for me. Like even somehow in a position that I didn't really care about, I find myself disappointed in this. Like, I just don't think Tucker Barnhart is good, um, (laughs) to put it kind of like bluntly. Um, I mean, that's fair. You know, he was a sub replacement level player last year. Um, he, you know, is not a complete black hole at the plate, but he's never, in a full year rated as uh, anything above a 90 WRC plus. So he had, at minimum, he's been 10% below league average at the plate, uh, doesn't rate well as a, a base runner. Um, and, you know, again, like, you you know, he's he's not one of the better framers in the league. He's not one of the better run game controllers in the league. And at this point, you know, they obviously chose him for a reason. They've they've put a lot into their pitching infrastructure and defense and all of that. So clearly they must buy into something. But unfortunately, that's going to be something that we're not able to really measure, right? And that's going to be how does he manage games? How does he call games? How does he handle pitching staffs? And I'm not saying to dismiss that, but it's anecdotal, right? We don't. Ha- I, I'm sure. not a. I'm not a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers or the Cincinnati Reds. Like I can't tell you that. Now, at the same time, we talked a lot about how the Cubs spoke really highly of Jan Gomes and his ability to do those things. So again, I'm not dismissing it. I do think it's important, but. I I don't know, man. Like in an off season where Vasquez was there and he tried and he chose somebody else. That's his prerogative. Um, Murphy was traded. William Wilson. Contreras was also traded. Like I am at best, I'm nonplussed by Tucker Barnard. Well, so so am I. I. I think I've seen chatter on Twitter about his framing. I've seen people be a little bit 
upset. That's a strong word, perhaps, but just not convinced he's a good framer. He was in the 40th percentile last season. Detroit's pitching sucked, and framing stats and the way these are calculated, there's a, you, tr- you try to shrink the variance of like umpire calls, but when you have a pitching staff that is just not good, you can only do so much. Like There's a degree of variability even within that number. So 40th percentile does not match up with what he's done in the years past. If you look at 2021 with a better pitching staff, for example, with the uh, Reds, his framing was in the 80th percentile. In 2020, during the shortened season, 78th percentile. In 2019, the 60th percentile. So he's been consistently above league average for the better part of his career dating back to 2019. And perhaps that's a reason why the Cubs like him. Also, the Cubs perhaps like him because he's been healthy. Like as a backup catcher, he's been doing his job. Like in 2021, 116 games. Last season, 94 games. Season before that, in a in a longer regular season, 114 games. The season before that, 138 games. So he does get his at-bats. Pitchers do like him. And when I was listening to Ian Happ today talk with uh, our guys in the podcast, he name-dropped Tucker Barnhart in the same context as Jan Gomes, having that experience, having the ability to control pitching staff and call games. And for the majority of of, uh, their recent career, framing quite well. So I'm not convinced that he's now suddenly a below-league average framer. It Mm -hmm. does not line up with his better part of his career. Yeah, I mean, look, again, like I'm not, I, I don't, I, I'm offering an opinion on the move. I don't really care about it that much, but I do think that this is also one of those areas where it's easy to look back at kind of the rest of this offseason. Well, and it's easy to look back and look at the Murphy tree. Like, how the hell did you miss out sure, on that? Sure, of course. But, it, and yeah. even just some of the other moves, right? Like, this is part of the reason why. Um, and whether they were interested or, you know, again, like if guys choose other places, there's nothing you can do. But, you know, you look at someone like Jose Abreu, right? Like part of the reason that we and, and other people were kind of banging that drum was where can we find offense that isn't going to be a long-term deal and is easy to fit in at the positions that the Cubs can afford it because we know they're going to do this at the catching position, right? And now when you've signed let's call it the least sure thing of the shortstops in terms of offense, right? Like now you're looking at this going like, okay, like you're not going to get much out of this catching position, which is fine. Teams have won World Series. A team just won the World Series with a guy that can't hit, right? We the Cubs know very well that Martin Maldonado can't hit. Um, (laughs) Jan Gomes has been a part of a tandem that won a World Series before, right? Like we know these things. It's fine if that's the strategy you want to go for, but we're still in this position where it's like, okay, like we're still looking for that offense though. Like if this is what you were going to do and you didn't even get maybe your number one target to do it, which seems to have been Christian Vasquez, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't love it. Well, like, I mean, it's not I, I would just Christian... be so much more comfortable if we had added some more offense around this team and they still can, right? Like there's still yeah. guys that they can do that, but it just is not as, um, I'm not as comfortable with it until we have those answers. And to be honest, even if they signed Vasquez, I still would have this uncertainty in my mind about the offense. It's not as if Christian oh, yeah. Vasquez oh, is no, like no hitting question. away yeah. Oh, no, 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 no doubt. He's yeah. just, you know, I think closer to, okay, maybe you might get a league average bat here. For sure. For me, it's what did Jed not do to get Murphy? Like, like what happened there? And what has Jed not done in the past year and a half, two years in these trades? That is exactly what I'm talking about. Until Jed makes one of those deals, what do we have to fall back on to say he can do this? And that's one of my concerns that I that I have. Um, it's a difficult path forward to be a highly probable playoff team this season. Right. There is a way if you want to just ignore some of the shortcomings that perhaps have been made by this front office, and you want to look at perhaps the distribution of possibilities, I do think this team 
can be quite competitive. It just has to be in the form of every one of their guys hitting the top level of their projections. Dansby has to hit 25, 30 plus homers. Nico, same type of performance. Uh, Morrell can't regress that much. Wisdom has to sustain that type of offense. And then you do have to have your pitching staff be above average and not fall back on their command so the defense can pick it up. There is a path forward to competitiveness, but it's not something that you're going to bet any money on, or at least I would, maybe Cody would, uh, but not not <laughs> me at this point. Um, but it is still possible. We'll see how the, the remaining part of the offseason looks, but the offense at catchers is not going to happen. You have to go out and get right. it elsewhere. And I think I still am convinced of this. You, you have to go out and make a trade. And that's why the Canario injury and the Brennan injury was so disappointing because I knew this is going to hurt him. And perhaps that's going to happen. That's made, that may be the outcome of those injuries is we're going to miss out on that trade market this offseason. Right. And, you know, again, like you're, you're already in a position where, you know, again, maybe they, they look to add some of the names that we've mentioned. Um, I, I still see them, you know, coming up in Conforto, um, rumors and things like that, Mancini rumors, and that would help. But as it stands right now, like you and I both, we all love Christopher Morell, but if you're going into the season with like Morell and Wisdom anticipated to get the lion's share at third base, like that's not solving your your offense thing, right? Like we know what Christopher Morell is capable of, but he, you know, that strikeout rate really spiked. And right. even if you believe in him at the highest level, still some proving that's necessary to do it, right? And And then we're talking about, you know, defense at third base and whether Matt Mervis gets a shot and how he adjusts and all of that. Um, so that's where I think it's just like, I, it would be a lot easier for me to care less about what they're doing at the catcher situation and just be fine with it. If we had like sure, believable, consistent offense, um, at some of these other positions. So yeah, I mean, if you look at, let's see. If you look at the Fangraphs batting wins above replacement right now, like we talked about this, I think a week ago, two weeks ago, I'm losing track of time, but the Cubs had the sixth worst war from a batting perspective. You signed Dansby, now you have the eighth worst. So you still got so much more room to go to get to that top level of the competitive teams. There's still time left. I think it has to happen through trades. Let's say you do sign Mancini and Conforto, okay? Uh, their projections right now combined are going to give you eh, around four wins right there. If you do that, then you're jumping up from eighth worst, you're jumping up to around like number 17 or so, give or take what these other teams do. It's still not enough. You have to go out and improve the team externally in the form of trades, at least to get that comfort level on paper. But this is what Fangraphs is. There's a different uh, math going on in these front offices. Or I would like to, I would like to think so. Yeah, absolutely. So that is kind of the lay of the land. Um, I, you know, I think again, like I, I think there's potential for this off season to have come together. Maybe not to the point. Uh, well, I would say almost certainly not to the point where you're saying, "Hey, I'm giving them an A on this off season." But you know, I think like a B ish is. I mean, what do you give her right now? What do you give her right now? Oh man, that's tough. Um, Oof. C plus B minus? No, not not a B minus. I, I'd give it a solid C. Yeah, C, C plus C B minus. As I said, it B minus feels. I mean, I'm C so, plus. I'm, I would I'm say. sorry, but it's pretty obvious you have to sign one of those shortstops. It's not like a creative, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, it may. Uh, yeah. You don't get too much credit <laughs> no. for that. Like, congrats. Oh, you yeah. signed Jamison Tyone. Congrats. Like, of course, you have to do this. Right. So, like, I think you know, can they get it to B minus, maybe B range? Like, maybe right. But I think at the beginning of the offseason, some of us, and maybe we were delusional to think so, probably created our own pathway that we felt like, oh, that's an A, you know. Yeah, Bogarts, Swanson. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, you know, it it is what it is. But I I still think they can get there. But they they do have work to do. yeah, we we can't be we can't be done here because as it stands, it's that's not going to get it done. But it's still it, just to take a second here because like you know we're going back and forth in terms of like the emotions. Like like getting Dansby is pretty fun. I will say yeah, that. Yeah, no right? doubt. It's and sometimes you do have to just enjoy that little moment of uh, those small victories, if you will. And there's still room to go, but at least 
from from my own personal fan perspective, Corey, you like your lefties, like that's fine. For me, I I love watching those shortstops play. And for me, seeing Nico and Dansby up the middle, that's going to be really fun. Now, I'm hoping I can still have fun on a competitive team and are getting hitting in different positions so I don't get distracted. But from like my perspective, this is this is amazing. This is really going to be enjoyable to see. Yeah, absolutely. So onward, more work to do. But, uh, you know, it's been a solid week, I think, from from all things considered. I think so. Yeah. More to go. So, uh, again, really fun week uh, for the CHGO Cubs team, uh, certainly relative to, uh, you know, the season that we had last year. Do you remember uh, (laughs) the—if you you think about our off-season podcast, we went from the COVID— uh fiasco we went from the lockout we went right. from the cubs budget restrictions losing schwarber and all that stuff like you know if, if you're getting down on where we're going right now just remember where we were a year ago we we're, were yeah we're i hopefully we're on the up the upturn dude here. you like opened every podcast and today we <laughs> have uh nothing to talk about right so yeah uh, perspective i'm trying to help yeah, no, I, I I get it. So it's it's been a fun week, and and we very much appreciate all of the support. Um, tons of great content in the podcast feed and on the YouTube channel. Um, if you look up CHGO Sports, all of uh, the various beats are there, including, of course, uh, the Chicago Cubs. So we appreciate all the support. Uh, we hope to be doing more emergency podcasts soon, and uh, you know, getting closer to uh, competitive playoff baseball in the city of Chicago at beautiful historic Wrigley Field. So uh, still a, a good portion of the offseason here to go. So You could uh, still trade for Otani and extend You them. still, still can, possible. and Rafael Devers. There you go. Ooh, yeah. There we go. Now we're talking. That, that would, that would an make a. an A-plus <laughs> offseason. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even an A-plus, Brendan. We should uh, email Jed. Yeah. Know. Has yeah. he thought of that, you think? I don't. Honestly, I don't know, right. man. Um, so a lot of off season still to go. Uh, so work to be done for Jed and Carter Hawkins, and, uh, we'll be here to talk about it, uh, hopefully when they do it. Um, so whatever you have going on for this holiday season, whatever you celebrate, uh, however you are are finding yourself here as we finish out the year of 2022, hope you are enjoying yourself with family, friends, or just by yourself. Hope you're safe, having uh, a happy holiday season and a happy new year. Brendan and I will talk to you next week. And uh, as always, use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings. We appreciate your support. And as always, go Cubs. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.